Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Big tech, second big test. As Apple, Amazon, Meta all report earnings in just about four hours' time. The investment committee has the setup ahead of those prints. They're also, of course, trading Jay Powell's pushed-out pivot. We're also going to reveal a new stock that Josh Brown has bought. We'll do that in a little bit. Joining me for the hour, the aforementioned Josh Brown, Surat Sethi, Bryn Talkington, Steve Weiss. Check the markets. We are green pretty much across the board, except for the Russell is in the reds. The big day after, obviously, from the Fed. The big look ahead to what's going to happen tonight, Josh. What's at stake? Almost five everything. Half, everything. Almost five and a half trillion in market cap. Yeah. Twelve percent of the S and P. Eighteen percent of the Nasdaq 100. In other words, a lot is at stake. How, how do we? Uh, how do we think going in here? You said yesterday. I think that you, this really, really matters to this market this week. It really does. It matters mathematically. It matters to sentiment. It matters emotionally. There's, there's a lot going on, and a lot of these companies are reporting just massive growth year over year because of all of the work that they've done digging out of expenses and 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 streamlining their businesses and you're going to see the actual proof in in the pudding as a result of that when it comes to Amazon and Meta specifically uh, but the setup for these three names is different they're not all experiencing the same thing even though we trade these as a bundle and we talk about them in one conversation yeah. so this is the point that I want to bring out here um, on a price earnings basis they're really not comp- uh, Amazon is really not comparable to the others it has always sold at a very high multiple with the understanding that management is not specifically focused right now on dropping profits to the bottom line it's an 81 PE ratio but throw that out because this is not a stock that trades on P.E. Meta is actually more expensive than Apple. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Meta is going into this quarter trading at a 35 P.E. Apple is at 30. That being said, uh, all of these companies are, are, are in a position where they're not overbought going into the print. And that's important. Apple is actually at a 43 RSI, fairly washed out. Amazon 57. Meta, 69, almost an overbought territory. Mm -hmm. So I think there's still opportunity here. All three are above their 200-day moving average. That's also important. They're in uptrends. Apple is only 2% above the 200-day. Meta is 30. So they're all coming into these reports in a very different place. And I think we need to look at them separately for that reason. Okay, great setup. Um, Exactly what we need. Now let's go one by one. Apple, I think it's fair to say, comes in with the most uncertainty of all of the mega caps. So it's the worst performing of the mega caps from the November 1st market rip. It's lost its status as the world's most valuable company. You've had four straight quarters of declining revenue growth. You have reports of 15% drop in iPhone shipments. You have regulatory concerns. Now the Vision Pro is out. You've got Vanity Fair dropping a big piece about Tim Cook's so-called moonshot. Uh, what's at stake, Surat, for Apple? So I really think 
for all these three, and, and they can learn very well from what happened with Microsoft and Google. What are the expectations for cash flow, and what's your expectations for margins, especially with Apple? Because we know the revenue's dropping, and, we, and this could be the catch-all quarter to say, hey, this is where we're going to be, and this is where we're going to go, and I think that's where investors will, will focus on. For Meta, I think it's going to be really important because we've seen this story before. If Zuckerberg gets on and says, we had a great quarter, but now because of Vision Pro, I'm going to spend $10 billion chasing it, that stock is going to get hammered. Do you, what, 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 does, what do you need to hear? You own Apple, obviously. I yeah. want to stay on Apple, okay? okay. Um, what do you think you need to hear from the company tonight to, I don't know whether you have any fears about you know, holding this stock right now, why it's underperformed the others? Uh, re revenue drivers, revenue here? drivers, because we've had so many quarters of slowing growth that are you going to become a cash flow machine without any growth? Where are you going to see the growth? We know services are being attacked, especially in Europe, maybe it comes now to the US, regulatory pressure, but where are you seeing underlying growth? Because you can trade on cash flow, but at some point your multiple comes down to a consumer staple stock because if you don't see any real well, this top will line be growth. the fifth straight quarter with no growth for Apple. Well, they're, and they're, that's they're, over a well, year. Well, it's now. projected to get you know just yeah. modest growth. Well, I think one percent is right. the is a projection. Go, so go it's gonna the, go it's gonna get back to growth, albeit small. Go through right. the important businesses though. Sixty-eight billion in iPhone sales. That's up three percent year over year. Again, to Surat's point. That looks like a company that sells uh, ketchup. Right. Um, then you then you look at uh, Mac sales, eight eight billion, up three point three percent year over year as well. Services up twelve percent. Okay, that's great, but that's only twenty three billion dollars. Um, so that'll that'll be a hundred billion dollar run rate for services, which again we love that. It's fantastic. It's not big enough to offset and, and, and no Josh, unit that's growth the, at all. That the, the faster that grows, the more it becomes on the radar of the regulatory. So how do you kind of talk through that and say it's growing, but the whole pie is growing and mm -hmm. everybody's growing with it? So we're going to get to the Brin's take and, and Steve Weiss's take. I want to bring in Steve Kovac, though. He, he's out in Cupertino, California, just to tell us what's going to matter most of all tonight, Steve. Yeah, Scott, it's, it's that revenue growth story that you were just talking about. We're coming off four straight quarters in a row, Apple's full fiscal 2023 of declining sales. And the expectations for this quarter, remember it's a year ago this decline started, are relatively muted. I, I'll note that on November 1st of last year, uh, analysts were expecting nearly $123 billion in sales for this quarter. That's, that's been drastically cut back to not even $118 billion. That would represent uh, about half a percent of growth if they're lucky. Now, of course, Apple guided towards that, said revenue is going to be uh, flat. There's some expectation maybe that was a little bit of sandbagging. Maybe they can have a surprise beat. But on top of all that, guys, I would also add, listen to the call today. That's when Apple gives guidance. There's a lot of sour commentary on the March quarter and the rest of 2024. Scott, you hinted at the Ming-Chi Kuo report about that 15% decline in iPhone shipments. Uh, that's going to be a big question going uh, into the print today, Scott. All right. I appreciate it, Steve Kovac. We'll see a lot of you today. We look forward to your reporting around that. Steve Kovac joining us from out in Cupertino, as you see. All right, Bryn, give me the wrap on Apple, what your expectations are here. Well, I mean, expectations obviously from a revenue are for right at 1% growth. But listen, here's the deal. In 2019, they did 137 billion in revenue from iPhones. We went through COVID. At the end of 2022, they were at 205 billion. So everybody refreshed their phone. And now we're at this point. Is there really that big of a difference between the 14 and the 15? 
So the technology is so spectacular, but it's incremental. And so that's where I think this company now is still going to have a hangover from just the pull forward from, from, from COVID. And I think you're just going to continue to see anemic revenue growth. Ultimately, the market says, well, it may be anemic, but it's durable, it's consistent. They're a free cash flow juggernaut. So the market says we're still going to give it a 30 multiple. So, I mean, I, I do think this is a Peter, a Peter Lynch stock, like you buy what you know. Mm -hmm. But I think this year, from the mega caps, you're going to see Microsoft and NVIDIA in pole position and potentially in Amazon, when I do think Apple will be a laggard this year of, of the mega caps. We'll see. Highs of the day uh, for Apple. We'll see what happens. Let's move to Meta. Uh, because they just recently crossed above a trillion dollars in market cap again, coming off the stock's best year ever, as you all know. The ad market recovery has certainly helped. The year of efficiency has obviously helped through those cost cuts. AI aspirations are on the table. Weiss, you own the name. Give me your read. Yeah, so in that, I, look, I think that the cost efficiency is going to continue. I don't think, by the way, the cost efficiency is just solely a meta story. It's also a Microsoft story. It's also an Alphabet story. It's also tech just, you know, very broadly. So I look for a good quarter from, micro, from Meta. I'm not concerned at all about them chasing uh, Apple for their, uh, for their vision headsets, not in the least. I, I think that they've already made their bet there. They can't be happy with their bet. They're not going to count on Apple with the $3,500 headset to leave. And in terms of Apple, if I could, Scott, nobody mentioned that China has cut back. China has said, you're a foreign player. We don't want you selling to government. Does that spread as new phones continue to pick up? So to me, Apple was the poster child for just a way too, you know, bullish 2023 when the fundamentals were declining, the stock mm -hmm. continued to move up. So I think it's overvalued here. I don't know what the lever is to get it undervalued but, or to get it fairly valued, rather. But I'd say, contrary to how you let in, that there's the most confidence from investors that they know what the Apple quarter is going to be right. versus the others, Meta, Amazon, et cetera. Everybody expects it to be a punk quarter, but I don't know how much people will care because right. it just seems to be this unending thirst to buy it. Okay, we're going to leave Apple because I wanted to move to Meta, obviously. Surat, yeah. you own uh, Meta. So tell me how you're thinking about, about this stock here after its best year ever, following its worst year ever. So right. now what? Right. So, I mean, remember last year was you came out, you're efficiency, we're going to cut costs. And now let's just see how Insta is doing. Are the algorithms working? How much are those really giving them operating efficiency? And what is the expectation going forward? And I think that's the future because if he's, again, it's the cash flow and Steve's talking about, you know, whether they go Vision Pro, whatever, but it, it all depends on that return of investment on CapEx, right? You saw Google got sold off because they said we're increasing CapEx. The market today is not favorably over CapEx. They want cash flow. And they, if you're doing CapEx, it's cash flow. What, how is it going to work? Okay, so Julia Borston out in LA, what's going to matter most here? Well, Scott, we're going to hear from Meta this afternoon. And the key number to watch in this earnings is revenue. It's expected to grow 22%. That would be down a hair from the 23% revenue growth we saw in Q3. But the stock has surged about 160% in the past 12 months. And still, analysts are overwhelmingly bullish. 81% have a buy and 16% have a hold, pointing to tailwinds, including artificial intelligence, boosting usage as well as ad spend. And you mentioned 
mentioned last year's year of efficiency. We'll see if CEO Mark Zuckerberg has any new proclamations about cost controls and if he follows up on his public apology before Congress yesterday. Scott? That was a big moment. Um, Julia, thanks. See a lot of you today as well. Can't wait for that. That's Julia Borston out in Los Angeles. Then there is Amazon, mm. up 17.5% since November 1st. What, what matters here? Uh, AWS growth. We're, we're going to get the holiday quarter, obviously, for Marketplace. AI, generative AI is going to be a big play here. How do we think about this here? Uh, 80 cents in earnings per share. A year ago, they did three cents. What I said at the open is really the story. All this leaning out and efficiency, they, they pulled back the reins on trying to deliver things. Like they were at one day and then it was like six hours. Do you go to an hour or can people like relax and, and we can have some margin expansion? Uh, reintroducing ads into the uh, into the television product. That'll be interesting. We'll get some color on that. Um, but that quarterly operating income number projected to grow 280% to $10 billion. We don't really think of Amazon in terms of like this juggernaut throwing off, you know, that that kind of free cash flow, et cetera. We always have historically thought of it as a company that's really good at growing vertically and horizontally and just constantly delivering on growth. And they are doing that, by the way. AWS is going to be a 13 percent year over year number. It's not 20, but it's also not 2% like Apple. So you're going to get the growth in the AWS business to about 24 billion. That'll be important. But again, thinking about Amazon in terms of its streamlining and in terms of it becoming more profitable, I think makes it a more interesting story for this year. And I, I agree with what Brynn had to say. Uh, like if you ask me, like which of these names is a better chance of outperforming, I think Amazon versus Apple. I own both. That's what I think is going to happen now. Surat, how do you? I, I, I I'm on your camp. This? Yeah, I'm in your camp. I think Amazon's future for the next few quarters is a lot better than what you when you compare it to Apple because they've got the levers to pull. I really like the Prime example where you start now put advertising in there. That's margin that drops to the bottom line. Yeah. Right. And you, and you start putting. I mean, their efficiency in terms of logistics. That's all going to start to get optimized as well. So you will see that, and that's what investors want. You know, the cash flow and efficiency. Two, th two, two things really quickly on yeah. the on the ads. Number one. In three years, Amazon became the third largest uh, advertising platform in the world. Like, we're not giving this company any credit for that, but that's a true statement. That's, a, that's an actual fact. Number two, if you listen to what Netflix had to say the other day, actually, the subscribers that are on the ad tier are more profitable than the subscribers paying full price on the premium tier. Also, not something that I think anyone expected from Netflix or from Prime, for that matter, as, as they push into this. And then the third thing, and of course, we don't know yet, but very important to point out, any news that they have to share on their AI efforts is going to get a lot of attention just because of the built-in user base that Amazon has to power with AI applications. They have not been the most vocal, but Anthropic is a big deal, and they could talk a lot about that tonight, which I think would be uh, additional upside. So you guys kind of alluded to this, but let's go deeper. Um, on Bryn, whether you think this is the week that these mega cap stocks separate themselves from each other, that they don't trade any anymore as a virtual group, that we do get the, you know, divergence between some of these names. Now, maybe the seeds of that have been sown with Microsoft and Alphabet, but you tell me what you think. 
I think directionally they can move in the same direction. I think the magnitude though will be very different. And so if you think about Amazon also, one thing that Surat and Josh didn't mention is if you've ever toured an Amazon warehouse, they are incredibly sophisticated robotics, but they also have a lot of people doing very tedious tasks. And I think that Amazon, more than any of the mega caps, internally is going to continue to benefit from the productivity increase that their robotics are able to replace humans. And that will go straight to the bottom line. And so mm. I think between that, between their partnership with Anthropic, I think that Amazon is actually flat over the last two years. And so we all like to talk about one-year returns, but really over the last two years, it's been dead money. I think Andy Jassy has a sea legs. So I think there's all of these little these little metrics where Amazon, along with Microsoft, can really start pulling away and have, once again, a much more magnitude of a return than I think an Apple, which will be a laggard. Okay, so let's, let's make a turn then, um, Weiss, to the aftermath of the Powell pushed out pivot, as I'm calling it. I mean, basically says no cut in March. Now, you know, the, the market still has about 40, 42% or so looking for March. Yields are down, market's having a nice snap back here. I'm going to reveal Josh's new trade in just a minute, but give me your read here post Powell. Yeah, look, I thought it was uh, I thought it was really overdone yesterday, and I was surprised at the reaction, to tell you the truth. Maybe it was compounded by New York Community Bank, I don't know. But in order for the market to have sold off yesterday, you have to believe that the timing of the, of the cut being pushed to the second half of the year, which is where I've lived uh, for a long, long time, is going to really cost the economy big time. And I just don't see that being the case. So I think it was overdone. I think the market would be a lot higher today, but for the mega caps reporting this afternoon. So to me, Powell said the economy's strong, and he said it's continuing to go. Labor is still bid for, that there's still an imbalance there, that the economy just looks very good, so they can be patient. So it'd be a great buying opportunity, but for tonight. And I did buy some, we'll get to it later. But, uh, but you know, what was the biggest surprise was that you continue to see, as you pointed out, 42% calling for a March cut. What are they thinking? You know, it's not going to happen. He told you it's not going to happen. Well, so move on. What what he says yesterday, I get it. And the market reacted and the algos reacted and all that. But it's only January. Yep. I mean, it's February, you know. Got two all jobs numbers, purposes, but you got two CPI. But, but think of what has to happen. Right. But think of what has to happen. The market, the, the economy really has to have precipitous decline before their next Fed meeting. The data's got to come in like really, really bad. And while we've seen mixed data, nah. the trend is not that bad. The trend in order is for the, to cut. The trend I, or is inflation's got to take a yeah. major. Right. right. But we're getting two right. reads on inflation. Right. We got a couple of jobs reports. We, we, got, we got a lot on the table. And by the way, right. UBS, they're sticking with March. Mm. What's interesting is that Goldman had doubled down on March. Not anymore. They moved to May, as did Barclays. And June right. is B of A, Deutsche City, Morgan Stanley, JPM. So they think it's even going to take until the summer to do that. Now, let's get to your new move. Um, you bought a disastrous stock yesterday, <laughs> New today, York Community today, Bank. Today, today, yeah. New York Community Bank. Why'd you buy this? Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, if you, it's <laughs> Seriously. A so, all right, so let me say two things. I'm not calling a bottom in the stock. Please don't follow me into it. It's a trade. Uh, we're not getting, I'm not getting married. We're, we're hooking up, okay? Uh, look, 
if you if you know anything about this business, you know the Bible, the number one rule of picking stocks, you never, ever, ever invest in a company that's based on Long Island. You could just assume it's either an outright scam or it's people that have no idea what they're doing, ineptitude. And this is your home. For those who don't know, I'm from Long. I could right, say that. You, you, say can't, you can't say that. Right. You definitely can't That's say why that. That's I Jersey. prefaced it with that. So Long Island-based company, biggest red flag. It's like meeting somebody who says they, they you know. So all right, but like put that aside because it's a trade. This is what I would say on New York Community Bank. I listen to the call. I don't know any more than anyone else does. All I can tell you is it sounds like. They did the signature deal. They got in way over their head. They bit off more than they could chew. They also did Flagstar. So they got involved with two acquisitions. They're not accustomed to being a $100 billion uh, bank. They're not like mentally. They don't know what they're doing yet. And this is the quarter where basically they came out and admitted it. So it seems like this is not some systemic issue. It could change. Uh, JP Morgan reiterated they still think the stock should trade to 11 bucks, um, and, and they're sticking with it. So I just looked at it. I said, I know nothing more than the market about this situation other than I like to buy panics. Here's what's different for me versus a fund manager looking at this. I could get out today. If I end up being wrong, I get out tomorrow. If you are doing this with other people's money in a fund, you have to explain yourself why you were taking a shot on this to shareholders. So I don't think institutions want to do that, hence the panic. The stock is down huge yesterday, another big down day today. So early this morning when the market opened, I said, you know what? I'm willing to bet there's a little bit more panic than there needs to be here, and I'm willing to bet it's still down because there are people that can't admit they own it and they want to get out of it. And uh, I like that setup, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. This is not an endorsement for New York Community Bank. This is just me taking a shot where I see a lot of other people panicking. Okay, so let's get then a, a little bit more on the, on the kinds of opportunities that might make sense in the here and now. Josh sees a, a disaster, says, "Hey, I, I'm going to take a shot." for a trade. KRE, yeah. wait, wait, hold on. The whole KRE down 6% yesterday, 5% today. That's the worst two-day stretch since the bank mini banking panic March and, uh, 9th, 10th, and, and 13th earlier uh, last year. So this is like a pretty momentous two-day period for we're, all these names. We're having a pretty good bounce back here from that sell-off yesterday. By the way, it was the S&P's, was down 1.5%. It was the S&P's worst day since the end of September. That gives you an idea of the kind of market we've been in, largely since the late fall, uh, because we've rallied a lot. Gunlock told me yesterday, Jeffrey Gunlock, of course, of Double Line, said risk assets are extended, including parts of credit. Said he likes cash, he likes treasuries, but there's the number one idea he had right now. I want you to listen to what he told me, because it's relevant to a move we have from our committee today. Here's Gunlock. One thing I want to say, I've, I've for a long time recommended India, as an, as an equity asset. The Indian economy is the strongest economy in the world. Their services PMI is over 60. Their manufacturing PMI is basically the most robust in the world. I think that investors should be using weakness if recession materializes and starts doubling up on the, the uh, INDA, the Indian equity ETF. I don't uh, have a stake in it because I, like to, I don't like to recommend things that that uh, would be in my funds. But I think INDA is a good investment uh, for people looking to get equity exposure on weakness. I, I, it's my number one recommendation for 2024. So that was interesting to hear, Weiss. Um, he says he doesn't have a stake in it, but you do now. You bought the INDA. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I bought, well, uh, the INDA I own, but I also own two smaller ones. 
Uh, I bought them before Jeff came on with that. And, you know, I've been thinking about it for a while. As Apple transitions their supply chain to India, they're not going to be alone. China is just, it's antagonistic to foreign companies. So why would you want to be there with an unstable government that is communist? So where do you go? And by the way, labor's not as cheap as it was. So where do you go? You go to India because they've got the population there. They've got cheap labor. They know how to do things. It's a well-educated populace. And they're welcoming. They're luring you there. So that's why I bought India. Now, unfortunately, it's at its highs, so I bought it at its highs. But the other reason I like it, which Jeff didn't mention, is that as rates come down, emerging markets do better because your, your, your fixed rate, your, your yielding uh, uh, instruments there, the yields come down. So it pays for you to go more into risk assets, equities. So to me, it's perfectly aligned for a continued move higher. So that's why I do. So I also own the SMIN, I own the INDY, but primarily the INDA that, that Jeffrey mentions, because that's the only one that really has institutional volume, uh, even though the others will outperform, right. I believe. Okay, I appreciate you explaining all, all that for us and, and, and certainly our viewers. You, you've been talking a lot about international markets. Yeah, Weiss is going to make some money here. The, the, the trend here is phenomenal. Uh, and Japan looks great, too. Like, there are countries that are doing their own thing. And India is really interesting. I'm curious why he didn't buy uh, EPI, which would be my pick. I'm not in it currently, but the Wisdom Tree earnings version of, of an index ETF in India. Um, but I think they could, they'll probably all directionally be uh, pretty much the same. All right, so let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we do have the uh, S&P 500 trying to take back 4,900, not that far away from doing just that. And up next, we'll do our calls of the day. Jeffries today has laid out its top picks for the whole year. We can give you the lists. We're going to debate the names. And then later, we've got some hidden AI opportunities, according to one key analyst. He's recommending three under-the-radar AI plays. Could have some serious upside, he thinks. We're back on the half in just two minutes. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier. Because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit ODFL.com. Old Dominion. Helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. 
All right, we're back. Our calls of the day. We're going to start with Jeffries today because they lay out some top U.S. picks they claim are, quote, hidden in plain sight. Amgen, Boeing, Caterpillar, Ulta, Martin Marietta, McDonald's, and Mondelez. You happen to own uh, Martin Marietta. I do. So and touch on that one first. Yeah, I own that and Vulcan as well. I like the whole okay. basic materials commodity place. They have pricing. The demand for construction keeps on going up. We're going to do more infrastructure. Stock has done well, and it continues to do well. You like any names on this list? Uh, There's some blue chip names on this list. Um, you know, they still say are hidden in plain sight. Now, they've had some you hit, know, issues. I mean, they all of these stocks haven't done quite well this year, except for Amgen's out of the gates pretty well this year. Yeah, they, I, I don't know. They don't seem hidden to me. Uh, I, I've never liked the idea of buying a stock where you basically have to bet on the global economy, especially after as much uh, central bank tightening and quantitative tightening and all that's gone on. So a lot of those names, you know, qualify uh, for that kind of idea. So it's not a it's not a great list for me. McDonald's is interesting. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if they can get traction in that new day part, the snack day part with Cosmics. But that's not going to move the needle probably for 10 years. So I don't know what there is to really get excited about in the way of a catalyst mm. for MCD. I mean, we don't know McDonald's, but I, I think McDonald's could be interesting, especially if the economy kind of starts slowing down. It's a good defensive play that has good operating margins. Do you, no, think, yeah. you, th you think it could still be defensive, though, given the price hikes on the menu? Well, I think still the, operate the, that way for well, the, the movement from going out to eat will then move more to what's cheaper compared relatively to restaurants. Yeah, right. It right? does, so, I think, also. And I think we were talking down. about yeah, trade down. I, I think we were talking about this with uh, Stephanie Link yesterday. It does trade at an above market multiple, a premium to, to the market. Right. Well, that's the argument as to whether it does or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, um, I it's tough arguments to make that it doesn't. Over the last 10 years, it's best in class, pretty much everything they do all over the world. Um, there are not many QSRs that even can be spoken of in the same sentence yeah. uh, as, as McDonald's. And you're looking for consistency of earnings, right? That's that whole Apple argument. Mm -hmm. Companies that can provide that get a premium multiple in a market like this. Hey, hey Bryn, if you had to buy one of these names, forget the fact that you don't own any of them, but if you had to buy one, which no. one would it be? Have you thought about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know, on their list also was Dexacom. You know, it's DX, DXCM. And that was actually on, like, Goldman's growth list. And I keep looking at it. I don't know. So Dexacom does the glucose monitors, right? So if you have diabetes or you just want to track your, your, your glucose levels. So, so what I'm tossing around is does all of the Eli Lillies and all of us, like, getting healthy – with the GLP ones, reduce that, or is that just like an overshadow? But I think it's a really interesting name. Uh, it's been a great. It's got a really good story. So that's actually one I'm I'm still I'm still looking at right now. Okay, uh, that stock's at the highs of the day as well. Weiss, I'll give you the same question. Uh, you, you you I think I've owned some of these maybe in the past, but which one jumps out to you that looks like you'd take a, another shot at perhaps? Yeah, ASML. It's a quality company. Uh, they took a little hit with some of their. Uh, product in, in China, but overall, it's just steady. They've got somewhat of a unique product line as well. So that's one that I would buy, even though it's done well. Uh, Dexcom, I've looked at it, but there are so many glucose monitoring devices out there and so many more coming out. I mean, every day I get from a private company looking for funding for one of these. So I wouldn't do that. And Alibaba, I just don't think China's any better or going to get any better. So I have no interest in that. And the others I just haven't really looked at. Okay, uh, let's get the headlines now with Silvana Hanau. Hi, Silvana. Hey, Scott. Good afternoon. Secretary of State Antony Blinken will head back to the Middle East this weekend. It is his fifth trip since the Israel Hamas. 
Hamas war began. The White House says Blinken will discuss post-war governance of Gaza, a ramp-up of humanitarian aid, and release of the hostages. European Union leaders today unanimously approved 50 billion euros in aid to Ukraine after weeks of resistance from Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban. With this aid package in place, the leaders are now discussing continued military aid, which diplomats say is less certain of passing. And Universal Music Group has started to remove the song catalogs of artists it represents from TikTok, including Taylor Swift and Olivia Rodrigo, after talks to renew a licensing agreement broke down this week. The company has accused TikTok of trying to bully it into a bad deal, while TikTok says the label is putting its own interests above its artists. Now, all Universal-owned music featured in TikTok videos will be muted, and users will have to replace the removed tracks with alternative options, Scott. All right, Silvana, thank you. Yeah. Silvana, now up next, we are tracking more earnings movers today. We're gonna give you the trades on Qualcomm and Honeywell and Merck and more, we'll do it next. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, let's talk uh, some of these earnings movers. Surat, what's the problem with Qualcomm? The, the lower than expected guide, it did get downgraded today too over at City to neutral. You own the stock. We could take a look at the chart. Yeah, lower than expected guide. I think people were expecting more. The stock bottomed at 105 in November, ran up all the way to 150. So I think this was some of the profit taking and saying, hey, we wanted higher expected earnings. And, you know, the thing with Qualcomm is they, they seem to always surprise on the upside, but I think they didn't just give enough guidance for it. Okay. What about Honeywell? Because uh, those the uh, revenues came in lower than expected. Uh, uh, revenue came in lower. The stock trades at about 24 times earnings. Yeah. Last four quarters, they, every time they announce their earnings, the stock goes down a couple percent. So it's kind of par for them. But I think it's a solid company. This is this is the G of the past. New CEO in place. They're phenomenally in terms of execution. I like this company. You buy this one on a dip. What about Merck? Uh, earnings beat. Revenue and earnings surpassed consensus. There was strong demand for Keytruda. What do, what do we think here? The stock is up 3.5%. You own this one, too. So you're all over these names today. I know. And, and this one's a good one because if you look at the whole pharma sector and you go to the Bristol's, companies that can execute and have the earnings are going to do well because you've got so many of them whose pipelines are dry. So I think Merck's one of those ones that's filling up its pipeline and will do well for the next couple of years. Okay. On deck, we have AbbVie is reporting. And uh, Bryn, you own this, and that's tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Surat, uh, these companies fill in their pipeline. In November, they bought Avi bought Immunogen, and then in December, they bought Cerevel. So they spent 20 billion and almost 20 billion in the last two months of the year. This is going to be a really important call to see how they're digesting those, what synergies, and what new verticals they can add to their immunotherapy and their neuroscience. Okay, Chevron and Bristol are also on deck for tomorrow. You you own both of these. I do, and, and Chevron, you know, has been an underperformer for a year along with all the energy stocks. So it's going to be, again, capital discipline and what do they think the where, where oil is going to be and how they're going to uh, you know, produce cash flow. It's all about return of shareholders. So I see maybe a dividend hike and more buyback shares. All right. 
Coming up, we're going to tell you AI opportunities beyond the biggest names. One top analyst is going to be here at Post 9 to lay out the three under-the-radar AI plays he thinks you should bet on. We're coming right back after this. Welcome back. Mizuho today initiating coverage on the IT services sector, calling it the picks and shovels of AI. Analyst Dan Dolov recommending three stocks to buy in that space joins us now at Post 9. It's good to have you here. Hey, Scott. These are names beyond the bright lights, so to speak. Um, names like Accenture, EPAM Systems, and Globant. Is that how you? Globant, yeah, Globant. Globant. Um, yeah, buys on all. Why are you looking here? So, yeah, I want to give credit to my uh, partner, Sean Kennedy, on this one, too. So we, we put a 100-page report on it. And, and I think that what people don't appreciate is everyone's, like, talking about the AI hype. But someone needs to do the work. And these guys do the work, right? I think you said it on the podcast yesterday. You know, when Pepsi hires um, needs to, to get into AI, they're not going to go directly to Microsoft. They're going to go to someone who's going to implement Microsoft, implement SAP. Those guys are the picks and shovels. They're, at the, they're in the engine room of the boat. I you the, you I wrote about of, this in your latest newsletter, right? Yeah, I wanted to ask you, I think one of the most positive uh, features of these types of companies is how uh, CapEx light they are. So they have thousands of employees and they're technical employees, but they're not building data centers to meet this opportunity. So when there's a big wave of spending on AI, a lot of the money drops right to the bottom line. They become very profitable. Could you speak more on, on how that works and what we could expect here with these three names in particular? Yeah, it's a good point. And those are people-heavy businesses. And I think that's why, you know, there has been so much controversy. AI is going to take them, you know, it's going to take them out of business, et cetera. Well, we see this differently. Those, you know, people-heavy businesses, when demand picks up, they can very quickly, like, increase or decrease, you know, the amount of workers they have. And this is what gives them sort of that, you know, sort of the edge there uh, in terms of like the ability to work on AI. So that's how we see this happening. They're much better at protecting margins than someone who's capex heavy and has to, you know, build all this stuff. Are, are these stories? Do you are do you make the case that these stories are largely unknown, related to AI? Because over the last few months, these stocks have rallied a lot. So somebody must know something about the role that these companies are going to play in the building out of, of AI. Yeah, I think it's sort of because if you go back to last year to the AI hype in NVIDIA and stuff, the big bear debate on these names was that, you know, they're going to get disrupted by AI. And then people are starting to wake up to this and are looking. Let me give you an example. Uh, Ten years ago, people worried about the cloud. Accenture's cloud business went from $1 billion in 2012 to $32 billion, you know, wow. last year. So these guys, this is like the best example. The correlation between software and AI is like the R squared is like, or software and like IT services is 68%. So I think that's what people are waking up to. And that's why these stocks have started doing better in the, late, in the latter part of last year and early this year. Is the demand coming from large corporations, government? Where is it coming first? And then where do you see it going to? So it's, it's both, it's, it's, it's the beauty of it, it's across the board, right? You've got anyone, anywhere from Pepsi, like Disney, is Globant's largest customer. So, had, you know, we did some analysis. Ex-Disney, they would have done even better because Disney had some issues. So it's literally across the board. It's like an ETF on AI. Like, that's the way to think about Surat, it. You ETF own, on AI. I mean, you actually own Accenture, yeah. which is a buy uh, from Dan with a price target of $426. Yeah, look, I agree with you. Our, we've owned Accenture for a long time. And the idea was you get the huge operating leverage 
because when they get the demand come in, it's variable costs. Exactly. And and then they can pass that cost on, and then once they're in there, they're in there for a long time. And globally, Accenture's everywhere. So we like that when you said it was cloud, and then they do the BPO as well. So you have that offset of, of a company that is, is really asset-like. I, I wanted to uh, ask you about one other aspect of this. People trading AI, they've been forced into mega cap stocks. NVIDIA is a trillion dollars. Uh, Alphabet, Meta, these are gigantic stocks. Managers, like people that have a style box they have to conform to, they want to be in AI, but they're a mid cap manager or a small cap manager. These names work for them, and there aren't a lot of them. So there's not a lot of competition for capital amongst, let's say, mid cap managers. Look at a Globant, what is it, 11 billion yeah, in, in market cap? Speaking, yeah. So this is like in the wheelhouse of managers that have been watching this AI trade go crazy, and they've been on the sidelines. Do you think that'll be a big catalyst for why these stocks will work this year? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's sort of waking up to that next wave. I think what you're describing, Josh, is sort of the next wave of AI. Okay, I can't, you know, I, I'm, I'm too late on these names, I but here I, I miss I do? Exactly. And, and by the way, you don't have to take, you know, company-specific risk or, you know, when, you, when you're buying these companies, it's like the ETF thing. You don't have to take company-specific risk. They'll implement NVIDIA, they'll implement Microsoft, they'll implement, you know, anything that's AI, and that's kind of the, the lower risk to getting exposure to AI, and that's kind of the crux of our work. Uh, Weiss, you have an under-the-radar name that you have your eye on too, right? Well, I, I've actually owned it for a while. It's Verted, VRT. So the, uh, the new data centers, and you need new data centers for AI, that the racks which Vertiv makes the racks, and they make, more importantly, the cooling system. So the racks run a lot hotter because they'll use 60 kilowatts of power you know, per rack versus 5 to 10 for traditional data centers. They're also three stories tall, the data centers. So I was looking for a picks and shuffle way to play data centers. Data centers cap rates are 3%. That's great for sovereign, some institutions, but not for me. So Vertiv is a $20 billion market cap. The chart looks phenomenal, Josh. Look at it, and I think it's actually a pretty good takeout candidate, but the future for them is extremely bright. It's not compellingly cheap, but I think the scarcity value is very meaningful there. So I've owned that for about a month and a half or so. And look, they'll report mid-month. Uh, maybe, you know, they're over the skis a little bit. I doubt it. But if the stock comes in, I'd definitely buy more. Okay, good stuff, uh, everybody. Dan, thanks. Thanks so much Thank for you, being Dan. with us. That's thanks, Dan Dolo. Appreciate it. Here at Post 9. Coming up, Peloton hitting a new all-time low. We're going to break down the move there, plus show you more of today's winners and losers. First, though, Mike Santoli. He joins us next with his Midday Word. We are back. It's Senior Markets commentator Mike Santoli is here at the desk for his Midday Word. Got a nice little move in the market, a snapback from yesterday's Powell-induced sell-off, I suppose? Yes, for what, sure. What do you yeah, think here? We talked about it last, uh, you know, near the close. Often a little bit of a rethink, but I have to say it's not the cleanest storyline all around. So you have the bond market saying, okay, maybe we have to wait longer for the Fed to ease. We'll ease on our own through the long end. We're buying the heck out of the 10-year Treasury yield. That brings it below 4%. The rest of the market can kind of live with that. On the same day, first cut at, you know, first quarter GDP from Atlanta is 4.2 or something nutty like that. ISM is better than expected, but labor's a little bit soft. So very dissonant macro backdrop. Um, you know, I said coming into the week, I think quality is kind of expensive. The, the cheap cyclical seem hard to trust. 
Uh, you net it all together, and it feels like you know the, that the, the market probably needs a little bit of a reset or a rest, but it's coming in this benign way so far, which is kind of chopping around, churning, rotating sideways. Uh, it is February. You might have to expect a little bit of more turbulence. Uh, I am glad and encouraged to see that the regional banks may be trying to find their footing. Two days after NYCB, we can't really figure out why exactly that should be applicable to so many other banks. So mm-hmm. uh, all that, you know, boiled together leaves us, you know, where yeah. we are. We, we've taken another little move yes. uh, higher here in, in the market. And, and we were just showing you WTI, which is taking a, a, a noticeable move lower, as you see. Uh, there are some reports of progress towards uh, some type of ceasefire out in the Middle East. So we're going to keep watching those headlines. But it appears that the market is at least moving on those initial reports. Dow's better than 300 points to the upside now. S&P, we said, is trying to get back above 4,900 after yesterday's 1.5% dip. And that's a sizable cliff uh, that crude oil has yeah, right around noon, of. that all came together. Yeah, so we'll continue to watch all that. Thanks, Mike. I'll see you on Closing Bell as well. Up next, two winners, two losers. We'll trade them. We're back. Just want to alert you to two big winners, two big losers. We mentioned Peloton's down 23 percent. It's the lowest level ever for that stock. C.H. Robinson, they missed on their earnings. That stock getting hammered. Corteva's higher as they beat. And then Etsy. Bryn, what do you think of Etsy here with this news of Elliott in, uh, in that name? Yeah, well, they obviously have a playbook here. You remember they took a big stake in Pinterest. I think they helped Pinterest monetize and advertise more. And I think Etsy has a lot of room to run. And so I think if they can do that same type of playbook, the market definitely loves it up 9%. So it looks like a, it looks like a winner today. You heard that. The bell's interrupting you here uh, right behind us at the, at the post here because uh, Amerisports is officially open now for trading uh, that IPO. Of course, they're the owner of Wilson, the tennis gear, Solomon Ski Boots, Louisville Slugger, Bass. They've got stuff all over around the floor here. And we take a look again. This was expected to be maybe priced 16 to 18, dropped below that, priced at 13. And you see the stock is a little bit north of that. It's a modest gain, uh, maybe not the kind of pop that they were looking for, but we'll continue to track that as we get another uh, IPO uh, here on the floor. Yeah, they should have called it Amerisports AI. That's what I would have done. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. So we're, we're, we're going to take a break? All right, we're no, going we're to stay with this. Uh, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep watching that. Um, again, uh, so you got another IPO. It's been really slow, Steve, you know, in terms of the IPOs that are coming to market. Uh, a slow drip. Do, do we think that this is going to improve? It's one of the reasons why some have been buying stocks like Goldman Sachs, for example, thinking that capital markets are going to improve. What do you think? It's a timing issue, and I think it's still a second-half event for the markets to open up. You need more stability, and Amerisource, you got to see how it trades, but it's not going to do. We had two others, Arm, which has done okay, but basically it's second-half event, pure and simple. I wouldn't get excited about it, but still a good reason to buy Goldman in advance of it. You can't wait. Okay. Uh, what about you, Surat? Look, I think indications like this, if you get more IPOs, you get more capital markets activity, rates are coming down. I think that's a good reason also to buy the Goldman's and Morgan Stanley's of the world, because now you can actually say, what's my capital cost going to be, as opposed to our rates are going to keep on going up. And spreads are tight. So if you're going to go out and raise debt, this is the time to do it. I mean, this, look, it's priced lower than it was expected, right, from what the uh, the earlier range was. And it's a, a 3% mover. Does this 
uh, give you any degree of confidence? I mean, is this the kind of yeah. pop you want to see to give you a real sign that, hey, the markets are purely open for business now again? I, I think this is okay if you kind of have to go out in public, but you want to see a higher pop. You want to see activity. You want to see investors coming in and saying, I want to own some of this, these new stocks coming in. Let's do some final trades. What, what do you got for us? I was just going to say, um, we're not done with tech earnings. Uh, far from it, even though the big guys are this week. I have uh, PayPal next week. I have Snap and I have Uber. And they're not all that important to me. Uber certainly is. Uh, but these are some names that I'm watching for. And uh, let's not forget, like, there's, there's way more to come. Yeah. So. Bryn, what's your final? A Diamondback. Energy had a tough year last year, but Diamondback was a bright spot up around 13%. Best EMP. I think they're going to continue to have increased dividends, capbacks, and buybacks. Yeah, we, we've been watching, uh, obviously, the move in crude oil. We just showed you uh, dropping pretty hard on those reports uh, that perhaps were closer to uh, some level or some degree of ceasefire in the Middle East. So we're going to continue to watch that. Weiss, what's your final? Taiwan Semi, talk about picks and shovels for AI. It's at a third the valuation of, of, eight, of uh, AMD. And guess who makes the chips? So you got to own this one. Gotcha. Surat? A meta, I mean, we talked about it before. I want to see how they're going to execute and what they're saying for the next quarter. You picked it as your final trade on the day it's reporting earnings. Yes. Are you new here? We I, don't do this. It's a gutty move. I, I, a gutty uh, move. Speaking of, speak, speaking <laughs> of, uh, closing bell, we're going to run you right up uh, to this big night. Malcolm Etheridge, Stephanie Link, Joe Terranova, Mark Mahaney, Lauren Goodwin. We'll be all over it. We'll uh, certainly track what's happening in the markets, too, as we continue to recover from those post-pal losses. I'll see you on closing bell. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. All opinions expressed by the Halftime Report participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Halftime Report participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Halftime Report disclaimer, please visit CNBC.com forward slash Halftime Report disclaimer. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that... That's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com.